BDR's Prime Resources Podcast is dedicated to providing you with the knowledge you need to help your business achieve prime results, with prime being the most flourishing stage or state. Let's do this. Welcome to the Prime Resources Podcast. I'm Matt MacArthur, BDR's Director of Training. Today, our topic is why dispatchers can make or break a service department. Joining us today is Jennifer Shushanian. Jennifer is a BDR trainer and a senior service coach. We call her the top service expert in the industry. Jennifer, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you so much, Matt. It's a pleasure to be back here doing this again with you. Looking forward to the topic today. Certainly uh, training dispatchers and and, uh, helping them be really great at their jobs is definitely one of my passions. So looking forward to the discussion today. Me too. It is great to have you back again. And uh, one of the things that um, I want to get up out front, we'll talk more about it later, is that as part of your passionate commitment to helping uh, dispatchers improve, uh, you teach our Service Dispatch University class. Um, so we'll get to that later, but I just want for our listeners to to know that, and uh, we'll come back to that. Great, sounds good. All right, well let's uh, let's start here, Jennifer. My first question to you is, why is a dispatcher such an important part of a service department? Great question. Uh, you know, one of the things, just for the sake of discussion as well, I'm going to intermix the term or the role of a dispatcher and let's say a CSR or a customer care person, you know, because really depending on the size of the company, uh, they may be carrying both roles. But overall, if we look at the general function, you know, of a service dispatcher, you know, service just has a ton of moving parts, you know, from the phone ringing to helping technicians to, helping internal clients or other departments in billing, administrative work. So there's there's a lot going on in the service department. It's transactionally very intense. And so when we look at a dispatcher, you know, one of the things that we want to look at is they really set the tone for our level of customer care to all of our customers. Um, that's not just to those that call in and need us for service, but it's also to our internal clients, which would be, you know, our primary internal client is the technician, but we also have maybe other team members, maybe someone that helps to take calls or other department managers, helping them resolve service issues as well. So they really set the tone for what type of service is going to be delivered to both the internal and external team. And the other thing, you know, related to the internal team is they're really managing our number one resource and that's our labor. And we look at service technicians, their wages are going up continually. They're hard to find, you know, that's a story we we keep hearing over and over. But they've really got to focus on serving the need of the clients while also um, taking great care of those technicians. So they've got to work on reducing downtime, minimizing travel time. There's a lot involved uh, getting them from call to call. It's not 
It's not just simply taking a service request and sending a technician out there. And then they also have a huge impact as to how much revenue per technician, um, how we increase that revenue per truck without having to add additional technicians because they can help with planting the seed for um, accessory sales. And driving more revenue doesn't necessarily mean, okay, I'm just going to stack the board with more calls. There's a real strategy associated with it. So they've, they've got a huge balancing act to um, manage. So they're, they're a very, probably even more important, I would say, sometimes than the service managers. So we've got to make sure we have the right person in that position. Yeah, that was a pretty uh, hefty list of uh, things that they impact. And I'm imagining uh, one of those plate spinners at the carnival, you know, going around and keeping all the all the different plates moving uh, in all these different areas. Yeah, and then you hope you don't drop a plate and break it, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So um, on that note, you know, with all these things that we're asking this position to fulfill um, what would be a what would be good traits and kind of skills that a that an excellent dispatcher should have there are a lot uh, I've narrowed it down to probably somewhere between roughly 10 to 15 key traits of a dispatcher and um, I'll try to you know maybe as I go through um, just outline, you know, why this is so important when we when we touch on each one of those plates. And um, as we're going through it, you know, if something comes up, just uh, let me know if you have a further question or you want to dig in deeper on it. Mm -hmm. uh, first okay. of all, first of all, they've got to be motivated to work with people. Uh, that's that's something is definitely needed. So, you know, we talked about in the beginning that, you know, they set the tone for that service level for both the internal and external customer. So they, um, and with that, as a part of that, they've got to be very supportive to the technicians, which means they really need to be looking at treating them like a client because that's their number one internal client that they're going to interact so um, motivated to work with people they need to have a supportive personality um and then we look at at you know what about the personality themselves those traits like they, they need to be independent and and assertive so sometimes you know you'll see that what does that really mean that means they've got to not be too extreme in being independent and assertive, but, and they also can't be overly frank. So if, if it's too, if that's weighted too far on, you know, the scale, the wrong direction, then they could be, you know, considered as rude or difficult to work with. Um, they also, you know, we're looking for somebody that's more of an extrovert personality and they're outgoing, but again, not so heavily that, they're so outgoing and extrovert that, uh, you know, they can't get any other work done, right? Not to the extreme. They still got to be able to be friendly and um, extrovert with people, but not so much they can't get their daily tasks done. Um, we, then we couple that with, so you've got, imagine this person that is independent and assertive, 
also um, more of an extrovert and outgoing, but they still need to be someone who is pretty steady. They're, they've got poise. They're pretty stable as well but not so much that it looks like they don't have a sense of urgency. You know, that means that, you know, they're under some really high stress situations. They've got to be able to stay calm underneath some of those stressful situations and just work through the challenge, right? Whatever is coming at them. So they've got to be able to not be so restless, you know, and reactive that it upsets what needs to happen. So they've got a lot to balance out there, which leads into, you know, if we've got to just work through stressful situations, then they need to be really good stress managers, right? Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes when people are under high levels of stress, they, they're not as focused on their communication. I mean, think about sometimes when you get an email from, you know, someone that you can tell when they are, as I call it, popcorny, because they respond really quickly, but they're like, yeah, but this, yeah, but this, and there's three emails to take care of one type of item. So their communication skills need to be really high, not just verbally, but also in a written format too, um, and because they're dealing with all different types of personalities. So that communication skill is really important as well. Um, they've got all these pieces coming at them. They need to be able to make decisions quickly, right? But not make decisions in a way that it upsets the whole dispatch process. So they need to be decisive and quick, but again, be able to still maintain the overall goal of the dispatch schedule that day. So uh, because they've got a lot of things coming at them, which puts them in a situation where they're having to multitask, right? Because <laughs> service is so transactionally intense, they're having to make those quick decisions and adjust the day and the tasks that they're going through but not let it completely take over their thought process. So they're they're again, like you said, the analogy you, you used was perfect. It's like you've got all these plates up in the air, so you got to keep them all going and be able to multitask. And many people think about multitasking as doing 10 things at once. It isn't necessarily doing 10 things at once. It's being able to prioritize and close each one of those open tasks or let each one of the plates come down without breaking them, right? So um, we've gotta be able to be very tactical. They need to be a tactical thinker and be very organized while also having a flexible mentality because they're having to adjust the day. People that are very black and white um, have a hard time being really successful as service dispatchers because service dispatchers have to oftentimes use um, the procedures and processes as their guide, but they also have to be able to sometimes operate in the gray. So all of that 
they've got to do that and still be able to maintain a positive attitude. Keep that smile. Okay. Well, that is uh, not a short list <laughs> of, uh, of traits and qualities. It's not. That's why I always, you know, when I'm talking to owners and managers, you know, when they're looking to put that dispatch position in place, this is not an easy position to fill. I have a client in the South that we had, we were working to hire a dispatcher. It took us nine months to find one. I, I believe it. Just going, having, hearing you go through what you did there. Yeah, that that's a very unique person that has all those qualities and skills. So uh, let me ask you this, you know, have you seen um, maybe uh, dispatchers? Is there like I know there's not a tree that they grow on, but are there places that they've come from? And we bring them into our industry and they become dispatchers that they they're successful that have maybe prepared them to do that you know there's a there's a few it really is more about the their personality and traits that help mm -hmm. them be the most successful but some of the industry um any kind of dispatching experience whether it's you know dispatching um gravel and concrete or dispatching um, another service industry like pest control or obviously, you know, any type of other trades. Uh, those that are good at project management, so they're used to having a lot of details open. I've seen um, some, one, um, one dispatcher I'm working with right now that's new to the industry, she came out of the medical field and her background was billing, but also she was responsible for dispatching nurses to several different types of hospitals. So that was a an interesting uh, kind of crossover into our industry. And Along with that, she's having to deal with many different types of situations when they were dispatching nurses. So getting the right nurse to the right hospital with the right skill set, right? Mm -hmm. So it it was it crossed over really well. Certainly, anybody that has uh, extensive customer service or custom you know customer service experience, and I've seen some out of you know, dispatching trucking or some 911 operators, you know, they're having to act on their feet and make decisions as well. Um, so there's anything that looks like it might be a transferable skill, I'll definitely entertain um, as long as we start looking at what they're, you know, what if they're fitting those other skills and traits that are needed. Okay, uh, good. I think that's helpful. Um, so, you know, I think a, a lot of times, at least for me, when I think of a dispatcher, I, I think of um, handling the service schedule and making that happen. Um, so let's focus in on that for now. Um, what are the major things that need to be considered by a dispatcher when scheduling and service? So it, uh, some of it's going to depend on, you know, the nature of work they perform, whether it's residential, commercial, and sometimes multi-trade. 
Uh, first of all, you know, the, not necessarily in this order, but some of the things that come to the come to my mind are first. I want to look at the customer that's being serviced. So, is this somebody that's on our maintenance agreement program? They should be receiving a higher level of response time. So, I'm going to look if they're a membership holder or not. I'm also going to look at, are they on the VIP list? We have certain clients that have, we'll just say special privileges because of the type of client they are. So, uh, you know, making sure, you know, is this somebody that requires additional, uh, additional care? I'm going to look at what is, what do they need from us? What's the nature of the repair? So do we have health or safety concerns, for example? So like some of those examples would be, do they have a water leak or a gas leak or a CO, low, a CO alarm going off? Um, are they elderly? Uh, do they have asthma? You know, is there something happening in their environment that could impact either the safety of their home or the health of the individuals there? Um, I'm also going to look at what kind of equipment we're, we're servicing. So is it a gas furnace? Is it an air conditioner? Is it a boil, is, boiler? Is it an oil furnace? Is it a piece of equipment on the roof? Um, all of that will depend on the type of work that's being performed by that particular company. So maybe we have, maybe, you know, the company services, you know, gas furnaces and air conditioners, but maybe they don't service oil. So we've got to make sure that we're asking the right questions so that we don't send someone to their home that um, that where a technician can't provide the service because that's not the type of equipment that we take care of. They've also got to look at once they're gathering that information, what are the next steps? Okay, now I know we can take care of, um, I know what our priority level is. Now, which technician am I going to send there? We've got technicians with all different types of skill sets. So we've got to make sure that we're getting the right technician there with the skills to perform that work. And then when do they need us? It's funny, um, when I start working with dispatchers when and CSRs, when they take a, a, a call or a service request, whether it be maintenance or repair or whatever that might be, the initial internal alarm goes off and it says, oh my gosh, they need somebody to, they're going to need us today and our schedule's already full. And I always ask them to say, hold on for a moment. Let's find out when they need us. Maybe they aren't expecting us today. Maybe the ideal day for us to, for them to be home or um, be there is, is in a couple days from now. So you know, really managing that internal stress and making sure that uh, we know when they need us. And where's the call located? So geographical, right? So that's one of one of the things that's a skill or, or a trade as well, is they need to understand the service area because when they're scheduling that service request, they've got to take all that into consideration while getting it done as efficiently as possible. So they have quite a balancing act that they need to work through. Uh, yeah, I'll say, and I'll, I'll just kind of go back through some of those uh, 
things to consider when scheduling service. I think those were, were wonderful what you told us there. The type of customer, the nature of the repair, the, the type of work being done on there with the equipment, uh, what are the next steps going to be? When do they actually need us? Uh, where is the call located? Uh, yeah, that's a lot of uh, kind of calculations and things they've got to kind of run through their mind to to make a decision. So mm -hmm. uh, let me ask you this, Jennifer. What happens if uh, the dispatcher fails in one or more of those areas? What's What's the downside? Well, I say dispatching is like a wheel, okay? <laughs> so if we look at the wheel of dispatch, there's spokes, right? And in the center is the hub. So they are the hub. So what happens, Matt, if one of the spokes break? Yeah, your your wheel's going to lose some stability. It might keep going, but probably not at the same level that it did before. Right. So let's say um, we can service that particular type of equipment, but we send a technician that doesn't isn't familiar with working on it. So maybe it's a specialty piece of equipment. So for example, well, we said it was an electric, you know, electric furnace, and then we get out there. Sometimes there's another thing we need to add is where's the equipment located, right? And so we get out there and we find out, well, that's a, you know, that's a mini split. And that technician hasn't been trained properly on how to work on a mini split. Now, they might be able to get their way through it, possibly with some support from one of the other technicians, but that could impact our efficiency, right? We might not be able to get that tech, you know, that technician might not be able to take care of it. So now we've got to reroute another technician to get back there. So any, any one of those pieces can weaken the customer experience. And that's really the danger behind it is it weakens the customer experience and it doesn't set our technicians up for success, which is an important part of the relationship between a dispatcher and a technician. Okay. okay. Well, I, I think you've given us a nice segue there, Jennifer. So let's, let's talk about that relationship between the dispatcher and the technician. Um, what are the the key points there? Because a lot of times I hear from uh, dealers, one of their challenges is is the dispatcher and the technician are at each other's throat. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so so what should that relationship look like, and how do we make that to, so it's mutually successful? So there's two points that that I always communicate to dispatchers when it comes to working with technicians. The first thing I say is, let's talk about what your role is. Granted, technicians have their responsibility as well, but let's focus on what your role is as the dispatcher. So the dispatcher is an operating expense or overhead, right? And our technicians are our revenue producers. The sole reason overhead exists is to make revenue producers more effective and more efficient. So their role is to set that technician up to be successful and to do whatever we can 
that internally so that they can focus on taking care of the client and fixing the equipment and finding the opportunities. So when you couple that with making sure that the other, other item that I speak to them about is imagine how our interpersonal relationships would look like in our entire working environment if we treated each other like customers, right? Is that we've got to focus on treating technicians as an internal client. Would you raise your level of customer care towards them? So it's really, they need to do their part as well, but whatever we can do to set them up to be successful, such as, you know, making sure that the customer's going to be there when we get there, that maybe we've sent them the accessory brochure, we've planted the seed for our um, membership or maintenance agreement program, we've communicated the payment status so the technician doesn't get there and go, and the customer says, oh, I didn't know I had to pay for this today, right? So <laughs> anything that they can do um, to help them to be more successful and kind of reduce I don't know, reduce the admin load on them or some of those type of things. The the other one that relates to being that internal client is, you know, common courtesies. Please and thank you. You know, we spend more time often with those we work with than sometimes our own family. And so sometimes those relationships can become strained because just the simple courtesies like asking versus telling or saying please and thank you, you kind of get busy and you just expect them to go, well, they know what I mean. They know I didn't mean it. So just being aware of what that looks like. And then don't leave them stranded or don't just assume that the technicians um, know what happened with the schedule that day. If you need to send them on a long drive and the schedule just got all messed up and they were, you know, five counties over in the morning and then you got to send them back there at the end of the day, let them know, hey, I know you were there this morning. The way the schedule played out and when these calls came in, you know, I'm sorry, I've, I've got to send you back out there again. So if they don't communicate some of those type of things, the technicians, they're out on this island by themselves. All they see is how it's impacting them. And so we've got to communicate to them when things get messed up, let them know and don't tell them at three o'clock, you know, that, oh, yeah, we've got four more calls today. Right. Make sure that they were keeping that communication open. So treat them like a client. Right. Provide great customer care, set them up to be successful. And remember that overhead exists to make revenue producers more effective and efficient. All right. Yeah. And it sounds like a theme of this, too, is trust building on going both ways, that if they've built some trust up uh, with each other, knowing that the technician knows the dispatcher is not going to put them in harm's way and uh, the dispatcher knows that the technician is going to um, do everything they can to take care of the client and give the dispatcher what, what they need, um, then then they can really be a high functioning team with that trust. Yeah, absolutely. They, the 
technicians need to know that the dispatchers have got their back, that they're just not pushing them out into the most difficult situations. You know, maybe, you know, if it's really hot in the summertime and you find out the equipment's in the attic, we're not going to schedule that call for late in the afternoon. You know, we've got to schedule that call for first thing in the morning, those type of things. And once, usually if there's um, like what you described at the beginning, that there's tension or they're going at it, uh, it, it's distrust and also the culture that's been developed, you know, uh, and so that's where, you know, managers and owners really come into play because we can't get anything done if the culture is negative and not, uh, not helpful towards each other. Oh man, I think, I think that is so important. What you just said on the culture piece. Um, I've been doing some research on that for a class that we're building. And one of the things I've come across that's really was interesting to me is when you're building culture, you really have to focus on your internal team first. And that if you're, if there's that good culture in place internally, it will naturally flow out to your customers mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. It, it'll, it'll, it'll come from your, your team members. But if the, if that team side of the culture is not in place, how are they going to go out and treat the customers when they're out in the field if, if they don't have a good uh, team culture in place? So I, I think you hit on something really important. Yeah, if your internal customer care is poor, your external customer care will be equally as bad, if not worse. Yeah. So um, you are hitting it on the segues today, Jennifer, I've got to say. <laughs> Um, so let's stick on customer service now a little bit and tell me about how a dispatcher should approach. We've talked a lot about the internal clients approach customer service with the external clients and the things they need to do in that area. No, that's a great question. You know, I, I, customer service is, uh, it's an attitude, right? It, can you learn skills? to help make it better? Absolutely. But you could teach someone all the right things to do and to say, but if they don't have that right, the right customer care attitude, it will come through as disingenuous. So I like to use the term servant's attitude is that First of all, it starts with that. You know, if you look in the mirror, uh, you know, um, at at training, which I'm sure we'll talk about, I always tell dispatchers that they need to have a mirror on their desk. And it's not to put on lipstick or see if they have something in their teeth. You know, it's to to take or, you know, get something out of their facial hair, you know, whatever that might be. it's to check your smile, right? I mean, look in the mirror. Would you want to do business with you? <laughs> you know? Mm. And so it starts with that right attitude. So that service, servant's attitude is really being empathetic. You know, when someone calls in, you know, how can I help make this better for them? And reassure them that it's okay. We're going to take care of you. So really having the servant's attitude that what what can I do to make this better? 
which also includes listening to what they're telling you and taking the opportunity to educate. You know, we I coach uh, what's called a service call flow. It's essentially a script that is built out to really take us through how to have the dialogue with that customer, which would lead us to identify opportunities and educate them. So, so looking for opportunities to educate them on maintenance and planting the seed for accessories as well. So if we find out, we see that they're not on a maintenance program and it's really hot, you know, or really cold, it, there's always a way through that call flow to help educate them on we're going to get you taken care of, but we really need to make sure we've got you on a regular maintenance program to reduce these types of, you know, issues that you're having. So really two things. They, their interactions with customers need to be geared towards having that servant's attitude and be a good educator. Look for the opportunities to educate. Yeah, I, I, I love that too on the education piece where I think so many uh, customers are, are hungry for that, you know, especially it's easy for us in, in involved in the industry here to assume knowledge, you know, uh, about uh, heating and air conditioning or uh, IAQ products or whatever it may be. Um, but I, I don't think the average person uh, is dedicating much of their uh, mental bandwidth to uh, the latest HVAC products and services that are available and, and they need an educator. Um, and so I, I love that thought of uh, the dispatcher being an educa educator because that's when you're an educator, it's, it's an important role um, and it really highlights the value of this position. Um, but it also leads me to say, well, they probably need to know all the, the products and services pretty well. They do. Absolutely. In, and dispatchers have that opportunity to educate if they turn their ear to not being a order taker. So you'll start seeing dispatchers, especially when it gets busy and CSRs, you know, using the term, you know, mixing those up a little bit, they become order takers. And so when they become order takers, they can lose their empathy and because they hear the same thing over and over and over again. I've got no heat. I've got no cool. I've got no heat. I've got no cool. And pretty soon it sounds like, <laughs> I mean, it sounds like that commercial, you know, I want a large orange drink and you can't hear it through the intercom, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's, and that's what they hear in their head. But if they take the opportunity and work through call flow and look for the opportunities to educate, then you're going to come through with that more empathetic nature. And so we can't just be order takers, you know, and that's a big part of, you know, making sure that we've provided good training to help them know how to get through that, you know, call, taking the call efficiently, making all those decisions that we talked about earlier, right? They got to be quick and decide and still present that we're, you know what, Mr. Smith, we got you. It's okay. 
we're going to get you taken care of, right? I'm so sorry that happened. Just reminding them to have that empathy. And it, it if not, they, they'll become order takers, you know, setting that expectation, trying to get off and on the call, you know, in two minutes or less. So. Okay. Well, that, that leads me to another question here. So um, we want to have customer care. We want to take the time to educate, uh, want to have a servant attitude. But sometimes there are time constraints and sometimes, you know, we've got to uh, get a technician on to the next call. So how does, what's the balance for a dispatcher related to customer needs and then dispatching efficiency? So that's kind of a loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't and, say there wouldn't be any tough questions, yeah. Jennifer. So, so, you know, the, the thing that I look at with that, with scheduling is if we make them feel if we have the right attitude okay it's all about how we make them feel right make that customer feel we've taken the opportunity to educate we've got that service attitude it leads into us being able to strategically guide that per that customer into our schedule in a way that they feel valued that we're going to take care of them but yet we still have scheduling and routing expectations that are met so we can reduce the travel time, be able to dispatch those technicians effectively by having a good route, you know, so, so that geographic routing. And if we make them feel valued, that's where it starts, right? Then we can start looking at, hey, when do you need us? like avoid that internal alarm that, oh my goodness, they need us today, where am I going to put it? To knowing the schedule by having it outlined softly for the next you know few days out. So if they say, gosh, I'd really like it if you could come out on Wednesday and today's Monday, having an idea of what that schedule looks like and then offering then that next available appointment. So it's 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 a combination of making them feel valued and that we're going to take care of them. That's where it starts. And then we can start looking at the other pieces to be able to get them there as efficiently. So they need to know um, to balance the customer's needs with the dispatching efficiency. They've got to know the service area, which goes back to some of those skills that we needed that we talked out, talked about in the beginning, you know, and being able to use resources like you know, routing, you know, being able to pull up, you know, MapQuest, you know, route planner and helping to make decisions on how we can really serve more clients because it really is focused on reducing that drive time and downtime between calls so that we can actually take care of more people. Which takes us back to the, the plate spinning, you know, yeah. we, we, we've got to do all these different things. It's a little bit of a uh, uh, it's a challenge uh, for sure. So, um, and you mentioned training just a little bit earlier. And so let's kind of talk in that area now. If we've got this job that requires this different plate spinning, it requires a unique personality, um, lots of different things they've got to deal with as a dispatcher. What kind of uh, support um, can management provide to really get this dispatcher the best chance to succeed? 
Okay, good, good question. So clear job description. <laughs> what are they responsible for? So every company is structured differently depending where they are in their growth cycle. Okay, and so we've got to have a good job description on who does what and who's responsible for what. Once we have that job description, we can have key performance indicators. So maybe it's travel time, 15 to 20 minutes, uh, reduce uh, non-billable time. Um, you know, they can even participate, you know, in, you know, membership sales or accessory sales. So they've got some key goals. They've got key goals. So they've got the job descriptions, performance indicators, and key goals. So let's set them up to be successful so they know what the expectation is. So then we have something that we can set goals for, that we can coach to, that we can train to, and then we can celebrate positive successes. So they know whether they're being successful in their role. So that's part of creating that culture, right? We need each person to feel successful in their role and the areas where they're not, then we need to provide them with that coaching and training that they need. So looking at, um, looking at their work environment, right? This is something simple that we can do. Do they have headsets so that they're not using the phone and, you know, causing pain through, through their neck, that they can use both of their hands without holding onto a phone? Simple thing to do. Um, multiple monitors on their desk that allows them to have more than one screen open. They might have their schedule on one screen, their customer entry on another, and a map or, or um, you know, a GPS on the other screen. So they can see everything without having to navigate um, different windows with one monitor. Um, do they have a comfortable chair, you know? Um, what about, I mean, today, they don't need to sit the whole time. What about a desk that allows them to stand up and stretch and, you know, not be tied down? Like just some simple things like that from their working environment to make sure that they're comfortable and being as successful as they can there. And then I'll break down further. I'm going to look at daily huddles with your dispatcher. Got to be done. You know, we've got to be, if, if they've got, they need to have a sounding board. Sometimes it's just that emotional release of, oh my gosh, Matt, the schedule is blowing up today. I got it, but it is just nuts. Like giving them an outlet doesn't necessarily mean that you need to be as the owner or the manager going in and fixing it. So, um, so when you know that as a manager and you know they've had a crazy day or it's going to be nuts. Maybe I'll bring them lunch that day or bring them ice cream or bring them a milkshake or whatever that might be just to kind of create that positive environment. I used to run down to Starbucks and get Frappuccinos for everybody when it was absolutely crazy. Of course, I had mine drank by the time I get back and I was bouncing in the door with smiles <laughs> on my face. Right. But it would I would do things to try to lighten the lighten the tension because it's busy. So those daily huddles and being aware of what their workload and stress level is like is really important. You know, monitor their breaks and lunch. 
generally dispatchers are pretty controlling over the schedule. I literally used to have to push my dispatcher out of her office and lock the door and tell her to go take a lunch because, you know, everybody needs a break. And so also looking at if the phones are really, really heavy, do we have additional resources in the company to support them, you know, to help with the incoming calls? So monitoring their workload and stress and just having a daily huddle to listen and resolve concerns that come up, you know, just make time for them every day. At least first thing in the morning, um, definitely if it's really busy, you know, a later afternoon check is in as well. And be willing to jump in and help. You know, if they need help, um, be willing to jump in. So it's really kind of monitoring, setting goals, setting expectations, helping them be successful, but then training, 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 training. I cannot tell you how often I meet dispatchers that have so many of the great traits and skills that are needed, but they just need more training on how to be better at their job. So that's where Service Dispatch University comes in. Okay. okay, well, let's uh, talk about that. You, this has uh, been one of your, um, you know, you've been behind BDR Service Dispatch University since it came about and the creation of it. You've you've led it uh, all these years. Um, tell us a little bit about it and how it can support a, a, a dispatcher, uh, you know, in their road to, to being successful. Absolutely. I, I want to tell you just a little bit about the background of SDU, Service Dispatch University, and how it came about. Um, just for a frame of reference, I, when I first started working for BDR in, so 18 years ago, 2003, mm -hmm. roughly, uh, and started working with different service companies all across the United States, I would see dispatchers that needed training. So I went to the to Barry Burnett and Bruce Wiseman and I said, we need dispatch training, we need dispatch training. And some things when I'm really passionate about, I just don't let go of. And they said to me, well, what would that look like? And I literally imagined what it would look like in my head for a long time. Like how could we really help dispatchers be the very best? And so, build it and they will come, right? And, <laughs> and that's exactly what they said to me. After I kind of, you know, threw my vision out there verbally, you know, in a conversation, they're like, we'll build it. And since then, we've never had a service dispatch university not fill. There's always a waiting list. And so we know that there's a need for it. And what, um, has been great is now we have it in two different formats and we offer it two to three times per year, generally speaking, one in the spring, one in the fall, sometimes one in between. And not and it was it's always been workshop based where we teach them the customer care skills, call flow, um, reporting so that they can measure their progress. We teach them the the steps that they need to be in the wheel, the spokes in the wheel, like we go through and we start showing those spokes in the in the wheel of how they all fit together, whether that means dispatching one call at a time, you know, from home to their first call, 
um, mapping and routing the service appointments. And we bring it all together in a workshop format where they've got maps that they are building technician zones. We actually give them service calls that they need to use and dispatch and create a route for. And that that's one of my favorite things because everybody will do it a little bit differently. Um, but ultimately, all the calls get done and they've made good decisions with it. Um, and, and they also look at, like, I ask them to go back and what was your average travel time for that day and how many miles did the technician drive? So it's workshop based. It's not even when we get down to start working through call flow on how to take a call and how to communicate and how to identify those opportunities to educate. Guess what we do? Then we role play it. We practice it. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's uh, we have that uh, in a three day hands on workshop. But now we also have it in a five day virtual. So what I love about the five day virtual training is now those that might not be able to travel, it's provided the opportunity to for them to go as well. You know, we a lot of working families, sometimes it's hard to go away for training. And so now we have this five day virtual format where they literally work half a day in class. They'll have a little bit of homework and then they can go that day and implement what they've learned in training. So now we've got multiple formats for it. So it's uh, one of my, I love teaching all of our service trainings, but to really see these high energy individuals come together and start applying the skills that they've learned through the exercises, it's rewarding. And I've got a dispatchers that come back to it multiple times. It's labor management 101 for service and customer care. So they'll go, I'll see them back the next year. I might see them back two years later. So it's uh, it's been great. It, it's a great training. It's, it's, it's one thing that every service manager and owner should also attend with their dispatchers as well. All right. And one of the things I love about SDU and, and, and really just training in particular um, is that it, the attendees, when a dispatcher gets to go to Service Dispatch University, not only do they learn how to and, and have this workshop experience and really fine tune their skills, but they get the feeling like, hey, I'm I'm must be a valuable team member here. If my owner is sending me to this thing, I've never been to training before, um, and it it builds that that culture. It builds the retention of having somebody there that can handle this kind of job that can be stressful at times, uh, and that's one of the magical things that I think training can really do uh, for your team members that maybe we don't think about a lot is it gives them the skills, but it also makes them feel valued. They feel like they're part of the team. They're like, oh, the owner is investing in me. I'm going to give everything I've got back to them. Right. It's definitely a reward. And there's something in dispatch training at Service Dispatch University for all levels of dispatchers. Because when you go to training, you go to training at the point of where you are in your journey in that position. 
right? So maybe I'm six months in being a service dispatcher, right? You go back, you apply some of those things, come back in a year. And now I've got a year and a half plus my dispatch training. And I, I, I come back. Oh, yeah, I remember that. I, I see I can go get that one done now, too. So they come to training at the point of where they are on their journey, whether it's a dispatcher that's been dispatching for 10 years or five years or two days. I mean, I'm literally had, yeah, this is my first week on the job, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, and, I, and, and I'll usually say, we will definitely see you back, but it's like giving them the, they see all the spokes in the wheel instead of just the hub and the rim and the tire. Now they see how everything begins to connect because one of those pieces, if, if, we're only offering morning or afternoon windows and not two hour windows, but we don't dispatch one call at a time and we don't confirm that that appointment's ready for us. You know, something's gonna fall down, right? One of those plates are gonna drop. So that's what I love about it is there's it's a reward and there's something in it for every level of dispatcher. But definitely if we go back to the question you asked earlier about how do we really support the dispatchers um, and encourage their success? Owners and managers need to go to the training as well. It's really disheartening to hear when a dispatcher comes to training, they're like, gosh, I would love to do this, but I don't think they'll ever let me do some of this stuff, right? And so they go back excited with the information that they've learned because they saw all the spokes in the wheel. But now if an owner or manager hasn't been to that training, all they see is the hub, the rim and the wheel. And they don't see the importance of all these little steps that help keep it moving effectively and efficiently. So, um, owners and managers need to attend as well, and then support them in their implementation along the way. Um, that's a very important point, I think, to underline there. And uh, yeah, we've got to support our dispatchers because, boy, just think about all the things that we've talked through here on, on this episode. It is so much, and, and they're so valuable and important to the service department. So... Jennifer, um, man, I, we've talked about a lot of stuff. Is there, um, can you kind of, this is tough to do, but sum it up and, and kind of give us some final words here on um, how the dispatchers can really make a service department successful? Well, one is by their attitude, right? Make sure, first of all, let's make sure we've got the right person in that position. Uh, sometimes, you know, we'll end up with someone um, that is a really great employee or definitely a positive person to have on our team. But we've got to make sure we have the right person in that position because not everybody's suited to be that dispatcher. So first and foremost, get the right person in place. They're important because they manage our number one labor resource and they help drive revenue and they set the tone for our our culture of customer care. 
and, and knowing that it's transactionally intense and there's a lot of new moving parts, they really just need to be able to have good support and training to be successful. So if you want to have the best dispatchers, you know, understand what their role is, manage labor, drive revenue, and provide the highest level of customer care to both internal and external clients. Well, that is very well said, Jennifer. And thank you so much for coming back on the podcast. Uh, that was phenomenal. Uh, really great to have you. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. It was a lot of fun. When we will do it again, uh, we'll figure out something else to talk about. Um, so I will thank you and uh, I will thank our listeners for tuning in on uh, why dispatchers can make or break a service department. And we will catch you next time. Great. Have a great day. Wahoo. Wahoo.